0: So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all the day long, I have held out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. We live in a time where we are inundated with news. There is a 24-hour news station for just about anything and everything you could hope to find. Uh, Sports news, political news, world news. There are whole TV channels dedicated to things like golf and hunting and the like. Information is at our fingertips in a way that it has never been The world, if you want to know about it, you can know about it. Last week, we saw that Paul has showed us the gospel. What are the two things necessary for us to believe to receive the gospel? To confess with your mouth and to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the heart of the gospel, And, and he's saying that this gospel. A faith has been preached, and it has spread through the whole of the earth. The word of Christ has been heard in all the inhabited world. And this, if you think about the time, is quite the accomplishment. If you figure Jesus died, let's say somewhere between, let's just go big 10-year span, somewhere between 30 and 40 A.D., And we mark the fall of the temple around 73 AD. You're talking in the span of about 20 to 30 years that the whole known world, the gospel, had been spread. And really, for this time, this was lightning fast. The Roman roads and other things made this possible. But the gospel of Jesus Christ had literally been spread by the feet of the apostles And the disciples. It was the message. And the news of faith. The full acceptance. Of Christ. Yet this is something. That Israel is still missing. God had made his purposes known. Both in the Old Testament. And in the proclamation of the gospel. In the New Testament. But they have rejected it. The last several weeks. Paul has been dealing with. Both uh, Israel and also with the Gentiles last week we saw how the gospel is to be understood and this week we will see how the gospel is to be proclaimed so as we come to our text today we're going to see three things first the call to evangelize second Israel's rejection of the gospel and third and finally God's compassion let's begin by looking at the call To evangelize, Paul has told us that he longs to see the gospel come to both the Jew and the Gentile. And today he's going to expand on this. And Paul, often throughout Romans, you'll notice when he wants to begin to make a point, he does so by asking questions. And most often those questions he asks have an implied answer, either negative or positive. But so he he begins to ask questions here. And each of these questions, Build upon uh, the other. He begins. How can they call? How can they call on him whom they have not believed? The first issue he has is a question of believing. How can they call on someone who they don't believe in? And this, in a lot of ways, okay, that's a very straightforward question. We understand that. If you don't know um, to call upon Jesus, then you can't call upon Jesus. People have heard the gospel. Uh, but they still don't believe, and we can identify with this in a lot of ways. This makes sense to us. Uh, if you were to drive down 231, so if, if you came down all the way to 231, how many churches would you hit on the way down to 231? 75. 75. Exactly 75 churches on the way down to 231. You think, oh, that's ridiculous. It probably is not that far off. There are a lot of churches just... In Pell City, Alabama, if you were to go outside Alabama, i tell people, I'm going to go to GA this week, and I'm going to say, I'm a minister in Pell City, Alabama. they probably go, where? Just in Pell City, Alabama, there are a plethora of churches. We live in the South. Cultural Christianity is rampant. How many people, if you ask them, where do you go to church, have an answer, even if they haven't darkened the doors of that church for 50 years? I go to church, yeah, I of this church. And yet they don't go. They choose not to believe. They've heard the gospel. They might even believe that God is God. And they may even go as far as to say, yeah, I believe Jesus is the son of God. But they don't call on him in the way Paul has laid out here. In essence, you can declare with your voice that Jesus is Lord and not believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead. This is certainly true of the Jews. But maybe let's say for the sake of argument that there's those in Pell City who have never heard the name of Jesus. Maybe there's one out there. I don't know how, just passing these churches, you haven't, but let's say there's one out there. So he goes on to ask his next question. How are they to believe in whom they have never heard? This is the second question. The word of God must be preached... So that people can believe. His word of revelation has been placed throughout the earth. It comes, we've, we've talked about this a lot lately in Sunday school and other places, but it comes through his general revelation, but it also comes through his special revelation. And general revelation is not enough. Paul says here, how can they believe in whom they have never heard? Paul is placing forth here the necessity of the word of God they must have it it shows us what is required of salvation and so we cannot take the word of God for granted and we cannot take the word of God lightly it is important, it is necessary we know as scripture tells us that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction for training in righteousness but faith comes through hearing the word of God. They must hear the word of God. And this is not simply the audible hearing. You may sit here today. You may be an unbeliever today. You may hear the words that come out of my mouth, and it may make no difference in your life. It's not simply the audible hearing of the word. It's something more than that. It's hearing that leads to faith. True salvation can only come when the word of God is being proclaimed. And ultimately, the one who speaks that word is Christ. They have to hear the words of Christ. He says, those who hear my voice. But for whatever reason, he also uses us as his instruments of his gospel. Which leads to his next question. So, they need to call on someone who they've not believed, and they cannot believe in him who they've never heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? These questions are building on one another, aren't they? He's building up the necessity for many things. How can they hear without someone preaching? We see here a biblical call to preach the word of God. We cannot know the words that bring life and keep them to ourselves. We must declare it around the world. In ancient times, uh, the way news was sent forth was through a herald. If a king uh, had something he wanted his citizens to know, he sent out his heralds. Heralds would go in in the parts of the kingdom and they would declare the information that was meant to be heard. Today, there are those who are heralds of the gospel of Christ. Those who are specifically called to preach the scriptures. Again, scriptures tell us about this. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. On one hand, we could stop there and all of you would go, Well, he's talking about preachers, preachers. Yeah, good. Go preach the word of God, preacher. That's your job. Thankfully, we have you to do it. And that's good. Scripture does not allow us to get away with this, does it? Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we call ourselves Christian, we cannot remove ourselves from the command that Christ gave his church. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. This call is for you, Christians. Paul says in 1 Peter three seventeen, or excuse me, Peter says in 1 Peter three fifteen. but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, this is, we've been going through a lesson in Sunday school on apologetics. This is what it's all about, being prepared to give a defense. You believe in the gospel. Why do you believe in the gospel? What hope is there to be found in the gospel? Who is this gospel all about? There's the need and the necessity to proclaim the word of God. But not only is there a need, but it should be part of who we are. Do you long to tell others about Jesus? Ooh, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Do you long, do you desire, is it your passion to tell others about Jesus Christ? either last week or the week before we sang the hymn, How Sweet and Awful is the Place, How Sweet and Awesome is the Place. And the last verse says this, We long to see thy churches full, that all the chosen race may with one voice and heart and soul sing thy redeeming grace. Do we really long to see the the churches of Jesus Christ filled? If the answer to that question is yes, yes, then how is that going to happen? How can they believe in whom they've never heard? How can they hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless someone is sent? We are too long for people to know about Jesus, not just preachers, not just missionaries. because we're all missionaries. We've all been given the task to proclaim the gospel. Where they will preach unless they are sent. Uh, missions is a word you will never find anywhere in Scripture. Mission or missionary, it's not there. But it's a good description of what we are called to do. And there are missionaries, there are proclaimers of the gospel who are being sent out. Well, who sends them out? Well, Scripture tells us first and foremost that it's God who sends out Matthew nine thirty eight. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We are called to pray that God would send out workers into his fields. The harvest is ripe. And we must pray for this both locally and abroad. But we also must understand that as we pray for this, we are also those workers. Yes, we are to go to Judea. Yes, we are to go to Samaria. But we're also to go to Jerusalem. What does that mean? God, or Jesus at his ascension, saying this to uh, his Jewish audience, isn't he? Hey, go in your own backyard first, but once you're done in your backyard, go to Judea, which is your neighbors, and then once you get your neighbors, go in Samaria, which is even further away. In a sense, you're in Jerusalem. You are where you're you are. You're in your own backyard, and you have to preach and proclaim the gospel there. But we are also to be sending people out. Paul is an example of this, isn't he? Paul, one of the first great missionaries, he's being sent out by the apostles to the Gentiles. We'll see at the end of Romans, he'll say in Romans 15, I long to go to Spain. And hopefully, Romans, as I'm passing through on my way to Spain, I'll get to stop and talk with you. But he is continually moving. when you you look at the majority of the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote who is he writing to? Churches that he's planted, not in all cases but in most cases, churches that he's planted on his missionary journeys we as the church are called to send people out, we are to support missions throughout the world, it's a good thing we must be sending out missionaries, there's a call in the gospel to do this How important is this to us? It's a question we face as a church just this last year in doing our budget. We're coming up on, this is what we were saying then, we're coming up on this time where we may not have enough money. Where are we going to come from? And, And the question of our missionaries came up. And I'm thankful across the board for your leaders. They said, we cannot stop giving to our missionaries. And in fact, the conversation turned to, how do we give more to our missionaries? This is important to be giving to our missionaries because they're doing the work of the gospel throughout the world. We are called to send out missionaries. And there is this interesting statement that was used in, in the session meetings, and I think it's very true. If we stop giving, we'll never start again. This notion of we know the sinfulness of our own hearts if we begin to keep that money for ourselves, it'll never go back out because we're sinners. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. But how will people of the world ever know about Jesus and believe if they don't hear the word of God preached? And how will someone preach if they are not sent? But we must also understand that we're sent. We're sent where we're at. We are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those around us. So I ask you, how beautiful are your feet? Feet are gross, right? You get calluses, they get dirty. But Paul says here, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I bet Paul had some pretty gross feet. That's my great theological lesson for the day. Paul's feet were gross. How can I make this statement? Does anywhere in scripture say, hey, by the way, my feet are gross? No, it doesn't. But think about Paul. Paul uh, lived in his day, he wore sandals. And he walked everywhere. Through the dirt through the muck his feet were gross as he went about his missionary journeys if you have bibles and some of them have and some of them don't don't do it now but sometimes just flip to the back and usually there's there's a, a map that says um, the missionary journeys of Paul don't, you don't have to do it now but just sometime look and you look at this, and this, this here is uh, basically Greece, and you go all the way down over into here, and he's all over here. And the majority, sometimes he's on a boat, but the majority of the time he's walking. He's hoofing it. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news! How beautiful are your feet! Do you look at your missionaries this way? How beautiful are the feet of our missionaries! What would Christ say if He looked at our feet? Our feet must be beautiful. We must be proclaiming the good news of the gospel. But sadly, as Paul says all these things, he then goes into Israel's rejection once again. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. We've seen Paul talk about Israel. He's criticized them for their false righteousness. He's expressed his longing to see them saved. And if we stopped right now, right before this verse, we might think, well, Israel's problem is they haven't heard the gospel. And Paul's saying, hey, we need to go out to Israel and tell them the gospel. But he doesn't stop there. They have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says... Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Israel knew scripture. They knew the Old Testament. They knew Isaiah 53 that talked about the incarnation of the Messiah, the one who would be despised and rejected by man, that man of sorrows, the one stricken, smitten, and afflicted. They have rejected the Messiah that was to come. And so Paul begins by saying, have they not heard in verse 18? And and it's not a real question. This is one of those questions Paul's asking with the emphasis being, of course they've heard. Have they not heard? Of course they have. They know the word of God. The voice has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. They knew from the Old Testament what they were to be looking for. And they've heard through the preaching in the New Testament and through Paul and others. They heard the gospel. But how can Paul make this claim here? Somewhere around AD 57 that the word of the gospel has gone out through the entire earth. This doesn't make sense. The nuance of this word is that it's gone out through the whole known world. The whole of the Roman empires of all the corners of the empire. Israel has not lacked an opportunity to hear the gospel. John Stott says it this way. It's part of the whole. Every place there were Jews, this message was preached. Israel had a chance to hear the gospel. Okay, well, they heard it. Maybe they didn't understand it. So we ask, but did they not understand? And the implication is there, of course they understood. They knew their their Bible. Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. James Montgomery Boyce says this, the anger and jealousy of Israel shows they know what is going on. What does he mean by that? If someone was to walk through those doors right now and say, hey, you church liquid, I have the word of truth and you don't. We would look at him and say, that's funny. That's funny. Go go about thinking what you want, but we know we have the word of God, and so we have the word of truth, and we're good, thanks, bye. It would be laughable to us, right? Israel looked at the Gentiles, and they didn't laugh. They were angry, and they were jealous. Why? Because they knew what was going on. If they're just these foolish Gentiles who foolishly think they know something different than we and we know we're right then laugh at them for their ignorance and move on but they didn't laugh at them they got angry Israel knew scripture and they refused to apply it they denied the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ and therefore God made them jealous he called a nation to himself. He made those who were not a people a people. But he goes on. Isaiah was so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have been shown, or I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. He has been found by those who, d- who didn't seek, he has been shown by those who didn't ask. The Old Testament cries out that God is going to make for him a people. And yet we see at the end here in verse 21 that God still has compassion. But of Israel he says all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. What's the image going on here? Note, it's not I have held up my hand, or I've, it's not a posture of I'm going to smack him down. He's held out his hands. Oh, you disobedient people, come to me. There's a longing desire to show compassion on Israel, and we've seen this in the history of Israel over and over and over again. God came and made them a people. They chased after other gods, and God called them to repentance. Go read the book of Judges this afternoon on your Father's Day. I'm sure that's what you'll do because that'll sound fun to you. And over and over again, you see this pattern. The people did what was right in the sight of their own eyes. God sent a judge to them, and they repented. Go read the book of Exodus. Jesus calls them out of bondage of Egypt. He showed them many signs and wonder. And how did they respond? Oh, I'm so tired of this manna. Give us something different. This is terrible. We'd be better off if we were back in Egypt. Moses would come to the people. They would repent. Continually over and over, God offered grace to Israel, but they responded in stubborn resistance to the grace of God. They've refused it out of hand. So what is the message to us today? Well, I think it's twofold. You are the people who were not a people that God made for himself his people. We have access to God through Christ. (laughs) It is that God has dealt with us mercifully. And we should be thankful for that. Second, do not become like Israel. Do not become like Israel. Do not seek after other gods. Be secure in your identity. Don't put off today. Don't put off to tomorrow what you should be doing today. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you are still called today to call and rely on him. We cannot live our lives however we want. We cannot treat the gospel as a security blanket. But we must come before our God, who is gracious and merciful in repentance. Yes. And we must move forward declaring the goodness and the beauty of his gospel. Each and every one of us is being called to evangelism. We have a responsibility to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. They cannot hear and cannot listen without someone proclaiming. We must be doing this. But we must also hear the warning here. There are many who have heard. They know the message of the gospel. We cannot be those who hear the word of God and reject it. And we must know that we have a God of compassion who holds his hands out to his people. We cannot remain disobedient and contrary. We must fall into his gracious and loving arms. Saying, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the forgiveness that is mine. This is the wonderful, beautiful reality of the gospel. Do you believe it to be true? Is the gospel true for you? Is it? And if the answer to that question is yes, then how beautiful are your feet? Are you getting your feet getting down in the grime and the muck and all the stuff that comes out of the back ends of animals that would be on the roads. It's unpleasant. If you get into people's lives and try to bring them the gospel, guess what? It's going to be unpleasant. Sometimes it's going to be unpleasant because they're going to reject you for your faith. Sometimes it's going to be unpleasant because they accept your faith and they're coming to faith themselves, but now you're involved in their life. Guess what that means? You get to get down in the dirtiness of their life. And they get to get into the dirtiness of your life. And as our feet are mucked up and dirty, As they have calluses upon calluses. Jesus looks at our feet and says, Oh, how beautiful. How beautiful are your feet. For they have brought my good news. Would our feet be beautiful? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if this room is anything like me, Then we acknowledge that we have failed to make our feet beautiful the way we should. Would you strengthen us as we seek to proclaim your gospel to a people who need it desperately? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.